Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Greta Thomas. And I'm Claire Hatton. We're all about producing content where you can be inspired by and learn from amazing female entrepreneurs and leaders to help you achieve and even exceed your career goals. Before we begin this week's episode, though, it would mean a huge amount if you could rate and review our show if you haven't already. Consider it as your kind deed for the day. And we'd love to hear from you. So why not follow us or message us on LinkedIn? Mention the podcast and we'll be all ears. And now enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome. Our episode this week is packed with great advice and fantastic stories. Thanks to our guest, social entrepreneur, Lisa Saunders. Less than three years ago, Lisa and her partner, Adrian, decided that they had to do something to stop so many household goods from being sent to landfill. Specifically, they made a life-changing decision to prevent as many electronic appliances and technology products as they could from being thrown away. So this Sydney-based couple started Arnie's Recon. Arnie's is a completely free service that takes your old electronics, think phones, computers, fridges, cables, you name it, and ensures they're recycled and not sent to landfill. Plus, amazingly, as you'll hear, this startup has already created more than 80 different products and spawned others around them to start complementary businesses. So good. Yes, I love that. CEO Lisa's stories of adapting to startup life after a career in leadership development and coaching, and particularly getting used to literally getting her hands dirty in a day job, are really fascinating. Yeah, they are. And I also love how Lisa shared how her 10 years of karate has helped her to stay mentally calm and not be triggered by difficult people and bullies, because I think that is so hard. Absolutely. And I love the clever and simple things she says to herself to stay in that calm state when others around her are not. I also love how she and her partner navigate around having to pivot as they grow Arnie's recon, the simple thing she does when she needs to think creatively, and the magic of this business model that stops all those phones and computers and TVs, you name it, from going to landfill. So we really love the ethos and business model behind it, Arnie's Recon, and we think you will do too. So enjoy this conversation with the passionate and resilient Lisa Saunders. Lisa Saunders, welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. Now, a question we ask all of our guests is, if you had met someone and you were sitting next to them at a dinner party and it's, they didn't know you, and they said to you, Lisa, tell me, what do you do? How do you answer that question briefly? We provide free pickup and recycling of electronics and appliances to the Sydney metro area. We're free to everybody, free to business, free to homes, free to government, free to schools. Wow. So that must trigger some really interesting conversations, I imagine. 
It does. I'm surprised by how excited people get. <laughs> yeah. Well, knowing, you know, how often in the last year or so, we seem to have kind of spare electronics that either fail or are no longer, you know, are redundant and trying to work out how to dispose of them carefully and responsibly. I'm not surprised. What's the story of how you came to be running Arnie's Recon? That's a good question. Adrian and I were looking for the next thing. And we both were very clear that what our lives were about was, was something that has an impact, something that has a positive effect. We were driving around and it was council cleanup and we saw the piles by the side of the road as one does and complaining about it and lamenting how sad it is that it was going to landfill. And Adrian looked at me and said, I think we've got to do something about it or shut up. And neither of us are very good at shutting up. <laughs> and so we started to look at what can we do? And we tried a few iterations, but it was December 22nd in 2019, we decided to do a recycling pickup of electronics and appliances. It was a Sunday afternoon and I decided to put up a Facebook post and I found this beautiful picture of stainless steel appliances. And I just put this little thing up that said free pickup and recycling. And I put it in where, you know, we're in Bondi area. So I put it in the Eastern suburbs area and got two likes, but I put it in the Northern beaches for some reason. And I don't know why. And within two days, we had 500 responses and 250 bookings. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and we looked at each other and said, proof of concept. Amazing. There was a resounding, yes, this is what we want. I think to its credit, it wasn't the quality of the post. I think it was just that we struck a nerve. It was just at a time when people were looking for something. And it was right around the time when everyone's getting lots of new stuff and they don't know what to do with their old stuff. And so at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning, we're climbing into the car and literally we're, we started out going in, in Adrian's car and then very quickly we bought this creaky old van and we were putting stuff in our garage and that lasted a very short time. And then we had to get a locker because we weren't going to buy, you know, we weren't going to rent a warehouse in the beginning. We didn't know whether or not this was going to work. And so we rented a locker at Storage Plus in Kingsgrove. We found one that I think it was $100 a month. And we thought, okay, we could do that. And that lasted about five minutes. We looked at it. We said, we'll fill that now. And so, you know, it's been like that. Every time we get a space, we fill it. And we recently, beginning of this year, moved to 684 square meters of space and filled it. <gasps> Tell us briefly just a little bit about the business model. How do you keep it ticking over? It's funny. So many people say to us, how do you make money with a free service? And the thing is, is that this is the, the mischief around e-waste. It's not waste. It's electronics recycling. So those items, everything has value. And there's the metals. There's even you know, the plastics that can be put back into manufacturing. There are precious metals in electronics. There's gold, there's silver, there's tantalum, there's palladium. There is a whole host of metals that are needed. There's gases in refrigerators and, and air conditioners that are expensive and rare and can be reused. And so that's where the money is made, Is but you have to do it smartly. It's It's not something that you can do easily. I think it's it's absolutely incredible what you've done. And what's been the biggest, I guess, challenge that you've faced? It's interesting because we started right before COVID hit. And I think the world went into shock for two years, except for us, it was just the opposite. 
as soon as COVID hit, people were out of work, doors were closing, everyone was locked at home. So the roads were empty, except because we're still classified as waste, we're a vital service. And so we had the roads to ourselves. We had Qantas and Disney executives driving for us. If I put a post up needing drivers, I had hundreds of responses. So we had, and we had people at home cleaning out like mad. And so COVID for us was fantastic. This year, though, when when the great resignation started, we can't get drivers. That's been our biggest problem is getting the stuff. And um, moving to Merrickville and, and having drop-offs, that does make a difference because people do drop off. Or when people um, get together with their neighbors and so we have to go to only one spot, that makes a big difference. Um, but that's one of the things we've been challenged by and we've been addressing recently. And so we've got uh, now two volunteers and that makes a difference. But we just launched our community collections because I think the secret to any startup is resilience and being able to pivot. You have to test your ideas. And if they don't work, you have to change your thinking, change your perspectives and find a new way. When you have resilience and when you take personal responsibility, you acknowledge the circumstances. So we have these circumstances called drivers. We sat down and we said, okay, this is what we've got. How do we work with this? And so the first thing we did was we reached out to the community to say, does anyone want to volunteer? And someone actually did come in. One of our customers is actually volunteering to drive, which is amazing. We're always thinking from how do we build a sustainable, scalable model, not a small business, because a small business kills you. You know, when a business gets to about that half a million dollar mark, that's the valley of death when you've got enough money to kind of keep going almost, but not enough quite to break free. And so you're doing it all yourself and it's exhausting. And that's where the burnout happens. Yeah. And so we, we created these community collections and that's where we go to one place and people bring to us because Arnie's has always really been owned by the community as it were. And so it's the creativity of the thinking. It's the ability to be with what is and to respond effectively to what is so and not to get caught up in the circumstances. You know, I'm really interested in how you start thinking about scaling this because I guess that is the challenge, isn't it? What's your vision of sort of really scaling? I think when you start a business, you have to start with the question of where is this going? Are we building a small business? Are we building a large company? Are we building a multinational? Are we building this to sell it? Are we building this to hold on to it? What are we building? And I think that informs every single decision all along, all along the way. And so before COVID, we were thinking that, of course, this is multinational. You know, then post-COVID and two and a half years into the business, what we realize is that this is a phenomenon. It's something people want. There's so much to do nationally. There's enough to keep us busy for a very long time nationally. But because we said from the beginning, this is not a small business, this is going to be a big business, that informed all of our decisions. And so we built this business as a model to be replicated, which we've done. Now is at a stage where we could pick this model up. And and because the Australian culture is so homogenous, we could plop this into any city and it would behave very similarly. And so at all steps of building the business, that's always been in the back of our mind is creating this as a model that we can then replicate anywhere. And we pretty much can replicate this with some adjustments for local market. We can pretty much put this model anywhere. Brilliant. And when you say replicate the model, I assume what you 
have done is that you've documented the way things you know should work you've got systems and processes in place. Is that what you mean? Yes and no. I mean, when you're in the early stages, and we're still pretty early in a startup, you don't have time to write everything down and document it. Uh, There's a lot that is documented. That's one of the things we think about is you never want to have a single point of failure in a business. And so Adrian and I, as the developers, we are that single point of failure. And so creating systems that that someone else could pick up and run with, and you know, if something happens to us is, is always in the back of our mind. And we are documenting as we go. We've just started implementing Salesforce and that's giving us something that anyone can just jump in and run with it. That's all of our bookings. And so that's a big deal. Mm, That is a big deal. But this whole notion that you have to have it perfectly documented from the very beginning is unrealistic. There's just too much on your plate. And also, you know, the thing that people coming from a corporate background can never quite get their head around with startup is a good startup is very fluid. Yeah. You start to do something and you realize, okay, this works. We'll keep doing that. This isn't working. Stop it now. I think the biggest lessons I've learned are pivot fast, develop slowly, pivot fast. As soon as you realize it's not working, stop. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's insanity. And the other thing we learned is hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. Find really good people and then hold on to them. And so we're employee owned and all of our employees have share options. And we've got people now who are really in boots and all. And anyone coming into that environment, you know, stands out either as one of us or not one of us pretty quickly. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so it's fully employee owned and I assume it's a for-profit business then? It has to be, yes. I I ran a not-for-profit beforehand and when people are volunteering, they put everything else as a priority. And when you're paying someone, that becomes their priority. Yeah, yeah. And where do you see yourself and Arnie's recon in five or 10 years? You can choose the time frame. <laughs> it's very hard for most people to actually think, you know, three months out versus, you know, five years. But we've decided that we're not going to sell Arnie's. This is not, this is part of the reason why we didn't do the typical startup thing and, and chase investment in the, at the first instance. Because the first thing they ask you is, what's your exit strategy? I think this one we want to hold on to. And in terms of where we see ourselves in five years, I'd love to see Arnie's as a national brand. I think by that time, we'll have a sense about where things are going globally and looking into other markets. And definitely that it's an embedded part of the community structure. You know, our, our mission is to make electronics recycling an easy part of daily living. And five years from now, I'd love to see that that's just part of what people do, all households, that we've gotten to every household. And everyone is, you know, just like they put out their their red bin at night, whether they've got their Arnie's bin or whether they've got their Arnie's collection day, that, that's part of what is just in the ethos, in the national ethos. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. I'm interested. I I know that, um, you know, we came to one of your Westfield collections and I remember you talking about really the circular economy and how, you know, it wasn't just Arnie's on its own. It was actually creating lots of other little businesses. Can you talk a little bit about some of the stories of, of how that's happened and how it works? Yeah, well, we found we had this one guy who was buying our speakers. We got to talking and he used to sell Apple, used Apple's products and 
when Apple changed their practices, it put them out of business. And a lot of Apple resellers went out of business because of what Apple has done with their devices. And so he pivoted and he started looking at what else could he sell and started selling speakers and amplifiers and stereos and TVs. And so he then developed his business with us. And then there's a young couple, they just had a baby, they're out West and they buy our games and Nintendos and Wii's and they started buying DVD players and other electronics. And I remember once they came into the warehouse and just had a walk around in a chat and, you know, started to look at what are we, what are we not selling? So they took on selling some things that we weren't selling at the time. And then we met this young guy down in another young guy with, with a young family down in the Illawarra region. And he started doing a precious metals recovery. I think he's focusing on gold to begin with. And when we first met him, he was just starting out. And so he's more and more buying from us and building his business on the back of Arnie's as well. And so there's this ecosystem of people out there who are growing as we grow. That's really cool. That's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Because it's really building the system. Mm. And that's what we need. We need to change the system. And there needs to be value in it. Well, this is the thing is because we call it electronic recycling, I know e-waste rolls off the tongue a lot you know, more easily, but e-waste was something that was created by people who thought of this as garbage. And they come from the perspective of it's a problem that we have to take away and put it somewhere. And instead, thinking of it as electronics recycling, because language creates our world. And so we're very rigorous with that. And so calling it electronics recycling, then calls us to actually consider what do we do with it that maximizes the value. And so we're always looking at how can we do better? How can we do better? And so we have now 10 different ways that we recycle, which creates over 85 different product lines. And it's a complex model because to get the value out of recycling, it has to be complex. And the thinking behind it is complex because that's the only way you're going to do justice to these items. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like you've got a a sort of a healthy process between the two of you to really step back. How do you do that on an ongoing basis when you're so busy? Because I think that's a struggle that many business owners face. That is the struggle. That is 100% the, the key is being able to stop, step back. You know, there are little things that I do. One of the things I do is I go for a walk. So right now I'm driving because I have to. And so one of the things I do is when I bring my van in, I let the team unload it and I go for a walk around the corner to our there's a local coffee place. It's got great coffee and it's got this great, healthy, gluten-free date bread. And I really am very rigorous about my diet because it's the quality that goes in affects the quality of what comes out in terms of your thinking. And so I know, for instance, that I eat heavy sugar, heavy, I, I don't eat wheat, but wheat and sugar, they actually dull your brain and dull your thinking. And so I think about my nutrition, I think about my sleep, I think about my exercise. And all of those things just contribute to the quality of your brain and your perspectives. And so I go for a walk. And the biggest problem is sitting down in front of a computer. When you sit down, the blood pools to your butt and away from your brain. 
And so you're sitting in front of a computer and your brain goes into a sympathetic nervous state, which is you know another way. It's, it's a more stressful state. When you get up and you walk and you're breathing in a relaxed way, you're in more of a parasympathetic nervous state. It's You're more able to access creative thinking. And so just a simple thing of going for a walk has a really powerful follow-on effect. And I try to do that as much as possible every time I need to do proper thinking. Um, you, it created such a vivid picture as here we are sitting on our chairs, this <laughs> bucket of blood on my buttocks then. And uh, yeah, but... <laughs> Sorry about that. I kind of got alarmed. It's like, whoa, I wanted to sort of stand up straight away and that would create all kinds of chaos right now. But it's really fascinating. And what we can hear there, I think, is a bit of your past lives coming through and all the expertise and and wisdom you learned in the days of leadership development and coaching. And you were an author as well that you did. How much of a leap did it feel at the time when there you are back in December 2019 with your partner Adrian deciding to start Arnie's Recon and you came from a very different world? How intimidating or daunting did that leap seem? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing was I was used to heels and suits and boardrooms and restaurants and clean, clean, clean. And recycling is a messy business. And in the beginning, when, you know, you know, right now our warehouse is, is a lot more organized, but in the beginning, it was just piles of stuff. Even before COVID, it was dirty piles of stuff. You know, the great thing about COVID is everyone wiped everything down with alcohol. Um, but it, the, the mess, the dirt, that was a, that was very confronting for me to, to deal with. Ironically, putting on work boots and the quote unquote Arnie's uniform, I actually love. It's comfortable and there's something very freeing about it. But years ago, when I was I was coaching CEOs, uh, one in particular, I was just listening to him talk about his journey, and I was started thinking, I'd like to do that. I'd like to build a business. And so, what's great is I get to take everything that I used to teach, and I get to put it in practice in real life. And so, it hasn't been that much of a leap in that respect. It's been actually very fulfilling and a lot of fun. And a lot of challenges as well. No doubt, no doubt. There's buying and selling of normal working electronics, but then recycling different components of electronics, it sort of starts to get a whole new level of technical in my book anyway. Did you kind of find resistance or issues or naysayers even more so because you're a woman trying to navigate how to deal with all this sort of technical stuff? Well, it's interesting. Adrian and I have are, are two halves of a whole of the business. And so he's been the one who gets rid of the stuff and I'm the one who collects the stuff. And so my side of the community, I haven't had that. However, I have been involved with our customers on the other side of the business and they give us a lot of respect. They're business people. They respect entrepreneurship. So they respect us for what we're doing. And I haven't had a sense for the most part with those people, I haven't had a sense that they treat me differently because I'm a woman. And in that environment, in the waste environment and in the recycling environment, there are bully boys. There are the entitled and there are the bombastic 
bully boys. But what's interesting is they just bully everybody. You know, Adrian and I were talking about it a number of times, and he said to me, they actually do it to me too. It's just, it's a different dynamic. But fortunately, we don't tolerate them. I've I've learned to just not tolerate them. And, and I've learned, I don't push back. I just, I become a wall. It's almost like a bird hitting a glass wall is once it does, it just drops. It has nowhere to go and it doesn't see it coming. And so I guess where I draw from is my old days in karate. I trained in karate um, in New York for 10 years. And for the most part, the guys respected us. But then ever so often there were guys who'd come in and would say, you know, girls don't belong in karate and they'd behave as such. And we actually helped them see the error of their ways. (laughs) (laughs) How empowering. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. And so I kind of use that same thing, which is a really calm and very grounded. There was a, a, a man named Claire Graves who was born, I think it was 1928, when you can call a man Claire. And he created the Claire Graves spiral, which spiral dynamics is based on. And it talks about the different types. I guess you can call them archetypes of people. And one of them is the impulsive self. And the thing about the impulsive self, and when you understand the dynamics between them and how language affects that, the impulsive self reacts to anything they perceive as weak. And they also react to anything they perceive as a threat. And so if you carry yourself as someone who's neither weak nor a threat, but kind of like, this is who I am and this is the what so, it disarms them. And it all happens energetically. They don't even know what's happening. And so I've taken on that. And ever so often, I, I you know, I get hooked. But for the most part, taking on being being that, being that kind of just matter of fact, what's so undaunted and unimpressed with them, it seems to disarm them. That's so interesting. What do you actually say to yourself when it happens? Because you obviously you would have an immediate reaction because you're human. Mm. How do you manage that reaction and what do you say to yourself? That's been a journey because in the beginning, I had less confidence with it than I do now. A lot of it has been Adrian and I as a partnership and, 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 and I observed. So I, I was observing his reaction versus my reaction. So in the beginning, when you got these guys who were just these bully boys, inside I would actually shake. I would hold myself calm with them, but I would be shaking inside. Now I shrug and I go, oh, here we go again. It's the auditory or cognitive cues that tell our brain what to do. And so I created for myself whenever one of the guys that I would meet would go into that particular state, I'd create for myself a little thing in my brain that goes, oh, here we go again. I had that recently, a plumber came in and did a really shoddy job and I went to show it to him and he looked at me and he yelled at me and he said, my guy didn't do that. I said, I didn't touch this. He did that. And he said, if I bring him in here, he's going to tell me he didn't do it. I said, well, I'm telling you he did. And I just held my ground. What enabled me to do that was I just said, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they do that because they're responding to a threat. And so I know they're responding to a threat. It's always the person who's got the most flexibility in their thinking and their behaviors who control the interaction. And so that's what I work on doing is just being very aware, kind of a step back and holding myself in a calm state so that I can think and adapt and adjust. And that's very much from the martial arts days, because when you're fighting an opponent, you have to keep calm. You have to keep really clear because the whole key is, is fluidity of motion and being able to respond instead of react. 
And so when we get caught up in our own concerns or fears and we don't understand the dynamic that's going on, it's harder to have harder to have power with it. That's so interesting. And I love the fact that you've used that that phrase that you say to yourself as your cue or your trigger to calm yourself down and be in that place of power. I imagine breath is really important too, yeah? Breath is important if you are in a state of agitation and you can't get yourself out of it. Focusing on your breathing is very useful because when you breathe in, it activates your sympathetic nervous state. When you breathe out, it activates your parasympathetic nervous state. And so when you're nervous, when you're upset, your your breathing gets shallower and faster. And so if you can breathe in and just hold it for a moment and breathe out, absolutely. I think the other thing is just how you stand. And so if you stand with your feet hip width apart and you balance on both your feet and you lean back just a little bit, almost on your heels, it's another thing that tells your brain to, to relax. And the fastest way to relax, actually, is to take your attention down to the bottom of your feet and feel your feet on the in your shoe or on the ground, on the floor. As soon as you do that, it's, your feet are the farthest from your brain. And so your brain has to focus on that and it goes through your entire body to do that. And it's just instantly calms everything down. That's so interesting. You talked about how you, you know, you're working six days a week. Uh, What are one or two kind of key habits that you use or turn to, to kind of allow you to kind of keep going and get as much done as you do and to keep that pace up as well? Well, the first thing is we're Jewish and so we keep our Sabbath, which is Friday night to Saturday night. We keep Shabbat and that's because we committed to that. We have to do it. And because we have to do it, it means that for 24 hours, we're not talking about business. We're not thinking about business. We're focusing on family or friends or relaxing and getting rest and attending to our spirituality. And in the beginning, when we decided to do it, I kind of felt like, oh, really, do we have to do this? Except now it's like, yes, (laughs) because it's it makes us shut down. I firmly believe, you know, it's it's no secret, the three major religions in this world all have their own Sabbath, and they all have this mandated day where they say, stop. It's not about religion, it's about sanity. You need to shut down and turn off. And so that helps a lot. I can imagine. If you had any parting messages for our listeners, what, what would your message be to them? If you're building a business, and I think anything in life these days requires this, is the the most important skill or trait that you need is resilience. And you can't teach it. You have to actually develop it. And you develop it by being challenged and breaking through. And I think always you know, look to how you can build your resilience and how you can maximize the quality of your thinking. Because it's the quality of our thinking that creates our perspectives that shape the decisions we make, that shape the actions we take. And so if you change your perspectives, your entire world changes. And so it's not, you know, it's not the leads. It's never the circumstances. I've been around long enough to have all sorts of circumstances from everywhere, from, you know, parents dying and illness and and all of that to, you know, businesses and all the challenges that come and go to relationships, to kids, to all that stuff. And the thing that I keep coming back to is that 
it's always my perspectives. You know, it's always the way I'm thinking and the quality of my thinking that's going to influence how effective my actions are. And so if I've got the resilience to be able to pull back, lean back and say, okay, how do I look at this differently? How do I change my thinking here? That always gets me out of trouble. That always improves things. And it doesn't mean the circumstances change, but it does mean that you can then start to change the circumstances. Yeah, I love that. Such brilliant advice. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Now, if our listeners wanted to find out more about Arnie's Recon, where would they go? And how would they find out more about you? Oh, they can go to arniesrecon.com. This is our website. They can go to Arnie's Recon on Facebook. They can find me on LinkedIn, Lisa Saunders. And I think that's probably the, the easiest way. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure those links are up on our show notes pages. And with that, I just say thank you so much. And, you know, we wish you huge amounts of success. Yeah, we love what you're doing. We really love what you're doing. Thank you. We do hope it really does scale and it goes definitely Australia nationwide and potentially global. Yes, the world needs you, Lisa Saunders. (laughs) They certainly do. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks Thanks so so much. Annie's recon is such a clever idea, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, I think we really need more businesses like this to stop so much good stuff going to landfill. You can say that again, honestly. I also really liked how Lisa and Adrian have had to constantly adapt. You know, just like now where she's explained they can't get enough drivers to collect goods. So they're getting consumers to meet them at different community hubs to just make collections that much more efficient. Yeah, I think that's a great learning point for all of us to get much more creative. Yeah, and just constantly adapt and deal with the circumstances you have rather than moan about the things you don't have. That's absolutely it, yeah. You know, and I was really taken with Lisa's wisdom in handling difficult people. Even though I've never studied karate, I think we could all take a leaf out of her book in terms of controlling how we react to what others say. Absolutely, I know I could. I loved her cue that she says to herself at that point to stay centred and she says, here we go again. And so I might even give that a go myself. Yeah, in fact, I did it this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, how did it work? Yeah, really good, actually. Yeah, Fantastic. really, really interesting, sort of just to calm my responses. Well, it keeps you one step away from the turmoil, doesn't totally. it? Well, that's this episode done and dusted. If you have an old or broken electronic item in Sydney that you want to see recycled efficiently don't forget to check out arnie's recon website we'll link to it in our show notes but quickly it's a r n i e s recon r e c o n.com fantastic and we will meet you back here in two weeks time and in the meantime stay resilient stay happy and recycle ciao for now Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 